Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. So grateful for worship, for our worship team. I feel like we have one of the best. Amen. Give him a round of applause. And I want to uh, greet our guests. I see that we have family members and some visitors and, uh, of course, Pastor Gary from Church on the Rock, good friend of the ministry, uh, a blessing to Brooklyn Teen Challenge. And we're so blessed that you'd come here today. And, of course, those that are on live stream, we're so grateful and we pray that you're blessed today. So I greet you on behalf of, on behalf of Pastor Don Wilkerson, our, our co-founder and president. My name is Pastor Paul Burke. I'm the program director here. And we have uh, this great opportunity here to watch lives restored and dead things live again. Amen. Amen. If you could open up in your Bible to Joshua chapter 1. I'm going to be sharing uh, out of a portion of scripture that, uh, that I've ministered out of before. Um, but I'm coming a different message from a different perspective. I think actually Joshua chapter 1 may have been the first message I ever preached at Brooklyn Teen Challenge when I came uh, before I was even the director to visit. This is not that message, but out of the same portion of scripture. If I can find where... Can you um, turn that off? It's my phone probably. Sorry about that. So we're going to be speaking out of Joshua chapter 1, verse uh, 1 through 8, verse 1 through 9, actually. Common portion of Scripture. Uh, One of my favorite. I love to minister out of Joshua. I love uh, the character uh, of Joshua. Uh, the person uh, that he is, and I love to minister about him. I think today I'm ministering more from the perspective of talking about transitions and uh, secrets to your next season. If you could. Verse 1, it says, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass that the Lord spoke to Joshua the son of Nun, Moses' assistant, saying, Moses, my servant dead, now therefore arise and go over this Jordan and all the people to the land which I am giving you and the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon I have given to you, Moses, from the wilderness and this Lebanon as far as the great river, the river Euphrates, the land of the Hittites and the great sea going, Uh, Great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all of the days of your life. As I was with Moses, I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and of good courage for this to the people you shall divide as an inheritance the land which I have swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous that you may observe to do all that's according to the will which you may now turn from the right hand or to the left, and whatever you do may prosper. The book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, and you shall meditate it on it day or night, that you may observe to do according all that is written in it. 
You, and if you do, you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. I have commanded you to be strong of be good courage. Do not be afraid, nor be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. And it's, uh, I guess, some would say coincidence that uh, the Holy Spirit had Pastor Will a minister on courage. Uh, he did not know where I was coming from or what I was doing. Um, so I do believe that the Lord is uh, confirming his word today. Amen? That's awesome, isn't it? Well, Josh, Joshua. Joshua is the first of 12 historical books. Joshua through Esther. Forging a link between Tepanatok and the remainder of Israel's history. Through three major campaigns involving more than 30 enemies, the people of Israel learned a crucial lesson under Joshua's leadership. Faith comes from obedience to God rather than military might and numerical superiority. Israel was in a transition from being slaves to being free, from being wanderers to having a place of their own. I'm talking of, uh, about the subject of transition today, uh, about coming out of one season, moving into the next. Um, I believe that whether all of us know that, uh, we're probably all somewhat in a season of transition, especially um, if you're a student in the program. Um, I don't think that it's, it's held only to the students because I believe uh, that uh, as a, one of my uh, mentors told me recently as I was talking about transition, he said, well, generally ministry is always transitioning. Uh, and, uh, and life often is. I know that uh, for, for me and for my family, it feels like we've been transitioning for three years. We uh, got married. That was a transition. Uh, we, moved, we, we moved to Brooklyn Teen Challenge to be the directors. We moved into the city, which was a transition. I've lived in the suburbs my whole life. Uh, I had one baby. Uh, that was a transition. We moved out of Brooklyn back to the suburbs, and now I'm commuting back to the fourth uh, not living on Teen Challenge property for the first time in 10 years, that's a transition. Uh, then I had another baby uh, in January, so that's another transition. So life is always transitioning, and I'm sure you can look at your own life and you can see that you've gone from season to season uh, in your life from different place, whether it be physically or it may be uh, transitioning, um, you know, even emotionally or, or relationally. Uh, in your life, whether it's maybe you lived at home and then you transitioned out of home, uh, maybe uh, you, you you were a professional and then uh, working a, a, in an office and then you transitioned to uh, a different kind of position or a different kind of job, but life often has different kinds of transitions in it where we, uh, we could feel like we're never really getting our feet on solid ground. The word transition means the process of a period of changing from one state or condition to another. The reason why I said that, uh, especially if you're a student, you're probably in transition uh, because you're going from uh, being a drug addict to sober living, which is a transition. Uh, you're going from being most likely a criminal <laughs> to a law-abiding citizen. That's a transition. Uh, and for, for many of us and many of you, you're coming from dead to your sins to spiritually alive. And that is also a transition, as you learn what it means to walk in the new man, as it says in Colossians chapter 3, putting on the new man. 
It's a process in learning how to live the new life that you're living. And the reason why I chose this portion of scripture because Joshua and the nation of Israel are in a major, major transition in a couple different ways. Number one, we know that they were slaves. And, and, and they were, Moses was called to free them and to lead them into a land flowing with milk and honey. So they transitioned out to, from being slaves. And if everything would have went wonderful and perfect, they would have transitioned out of being slaves. And in 11 days, they would have straight, went straight into the land flowing with milk and honey. And it would have been wonderful. And they probably would have had a feast and a festival. And everyone would be dancing. And everyone would be happy. But if you've read the Bible, you know that that 11-day journey wind up taking them four years. So they weren't necessarily transitioning from being a slave to being uh, in living in a land flowing with milk and honey or coming out of Egypt into their new place because it was more like they were transitioning from being a slave to living in the desert and wandering for 40 years in circles. That's really what they were transitioning to do at up until this point. Joshua's transitioning. He has he's not the leader before this point. Moses is. He's his servant. Uh, he's his, his, his assistant. He goes where Moses goes. He aids him in, in, in everything. Even uh, when Moses would go up uh, to the tent of tabernacle to meet with God, uh, Joshua would go with him. What a, what, a, what a great position and opportunity to be in that he was that close to the main man that God was using. And he was so close to the presence of God and he was so close to what God was doing. But he had a transition from being the servant, from being submitted to Moses, to being the guy that was just helping out, to now being the guy in charge. Now being the guy that had this great responsibility put upon him to lead the people out. How many people know that that's a great responsibility? Everybody wants to be in charge and most people want to be the leaders. But there's a lot of responsibility with that for those of you that... Uh, our fathers or husbands or, you know, have had any kind of uh, lived in, the, uh, worked in the business world and managed people and different things. It looks wonderful on the outside, but as you move up, there becomes a greater responsibility. And I don't like to say the word, but stress that goes on your life to be able to maintain everything that goes on. My right, Pastor Gary, the higher you go, the more responsibility you have. And that's a transition. And Joshua is going through this transition as he goes from being number two, being the guy that just had to take orders and just had to help out and just had to be there for Moses, to now he has this great responsibility to lead the people in. And we know that every new season brings positives and negatives. We can look outside and we can see that it's snowing outside. That's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing that happens in winter, that it snows. It's pretty. It's a nice thing. I like it. But then you have to drive in it, and then it's not so nice. Everything, every new season has positives and negatives. You go into the spring. The spring is just an absolutely wonderful. I love the spring and the fall. Um, the spring is where all the flowers pop, and it seems like there's new life, and everything is just budding, and it's just wonderful. But Spring to me means, man, it's going to be hot real soon. And I don't like sweating and I don't like being hot. 
I mean, I love the summer. I love outdoors. I love, I love spring. I love, I love, I, lo- I love everything about new life and new growth, and you know, the the, the trees getting uh, leaves on them, and it makes you feel new again and young again. And when you, you know, it means spring baseball is here, and you know, it's, uh, spring is a very hopeful time for me because I'm a Mets fan, and generally by midsummer the Mets are out of the playoff race, and it's very depressing. But spring is encouraging. Transitioning into the new season. And then we get into summer. And summer is wonderful because you can go swimming and you can go to the beach. And that's all nice. But how many people know we don't spend most of the summer on the beach or by a pool? There's just brief moments. So, yeah, there's, there's advantages to summer. But how many people know there's also now it's hot. Now I got to mow the grass. Now, now I'm sweating. And I lived in Florida for 11 years. And I'm telling you. I might have got saved because I feared hell because I lived in Florida for 11 years. And it's so hot in August there, I can't imagine hell being too much hotter than that. (laughs) But it is warm. So there's advantages to every season in your life. There are things that are good about your transition. There's things that, that, that come along with it. Just like the responsibility that Joshua's, there was some wonderful things and there were some advantages. But, of course, now he had the responsibility of carrying and leading all the people out. And I just want to talk about a couple things that as you transition in your life, from whether it be a drug addict to sober living, uh, whether it goes from being uh, an absent father to an, a father that's going to be present, uh, if, it, if it means going from being a criminal to, be, to being a law-abiding citizen, uh, whether it means going from being dead to your sins and trespasses and living your life as a heathen to now living a life of faith and a life that honors God. We're in transition. How many people are in transition? Are we in transition? Everybody's hands up. We're preaching to the right people. And the first thing that I learned about transition and about moving forward and going into the next season is that the past has to remain the past. Moses is dead in verse 2. This had to be heartbreaking for Joshua. Moses was a leader and a father figure in his life. He could have easily been grieved and he could have easily been angry at God. Have you ever been angry at God? Has anybody ever had any circumstances or situations in your life where you were angry with God? I was there. Things didn't work out the way you thought they should have. You put your hope and your faith in God doing things the way you thought he should do it. And it was different. There's some things in life that we'll never understand. I went to a funeral, I guess by now it's probably last month, and a young man I know that died of, 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 of an overdose, and the mother says, why? Why does this happen? How did this happen? And I had to look at her and say, I don't know. 18 years as an addict, 11 years on this side of things, recovered in recovery, call it what you will. And I still don't understand why people go back. And I still don't understand everything there is to know. But it's easy sometimes to get angry with God. It's sometimes to get confused when you don't understand things and to hold on to the past and not move forward. I'm reminded of John the Baptist in the Gospels. John was the one that was chosen 
to go and prophesy the coming of the Lord and to make the way for Jesus. He goes out and he fulfills his ministry. He does what he's called to do. He winds up getting put in prison and locked up, and eventually we know that he got his head chopped off. And I thought it's funny, while he was in prison, before his head got chopped off, Jesus tells his disciples to go visit him and tell him what they see, that the blind are seeing, that the dead are being raised to life. And I always found that kind of conflicting because I always wondered how John felt about that. Because here he is, did everything he was supposed to do, doing what he was called to do, what God wanted him to do, and yet he was about to have his head chopped off. Doesn't seem fair to me. Doesn't seem right. Seems like he would have been easy for him to be offended at God. But we know as scripture testifies, he wasn't. Sometimes it's hard to deal with the past. It's hard to deal with things that we don't understand and decisions other people have made. And sometimes even when right decisions are made, bad things still happen and it's confusing. And sometimes it's difficult. But we have to leave the past in the past. Take the lessons of yesterday, but don't carry the weight of it. Your past doesn't have to determine your future, but it can. Sometimes moving forward requires a step backward to regain your footing. And victory can be the biggest deterrent to progress. Don't get a championship hangover. How many people are sports fans here? You know, you've heard it's very hard for a team to repeat, and they call it, you know, a Super Bowl hangover or a World Series hangover because most teams and most, you're most vulnerable to shrink back, to stop doing the things that you know to do, to maybe compromise after a great victory. And sometimes teams will have all the talent the next season, have all the possibilities, the same crew, the same coaching staff, the same superstars and the same players, but they'll come out and they will not be the same team. And sometimes we, 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 we get stuck in yesterday's victories just like we get stuck in yesterday's failures and we're not able to move forward and it prevents us from any progress. We have to leave the past in the past if we're going to transition. You have to forget about the people that rejected you because God uses the rejection to position you. God allowed David to be rejected, not to hurt him, but to give him a longing for God. How many people know that it was in, it was in the sheep pasture that he began praying and crying out to the Lord? When all his brothers were regarded as top-notch soldiers and top-notch top notch picks to be the next king and he was just pushed out in the sheep pasture to take care of the sheep and take the menial job. How many people know that I believe and most scholars believe that it was there that he developed a strong relationship with the Lord and a great longing for the Lord's presence. Remember, the rejection of people is, is often what God uses to position you. You also have to move on in your heart and your mind before you physically actually move on from anything. How 
How many people have heard the expression, when a woman's done, a woman is done? I've seen many people break up over the years, and they get back together over and over. I'm sure some of you may have experienced that yourself or whatever have you, but you've seen some of those relationships where it seems like people come together, they break up. They come back together, and it's almost like, what's the sense of ever breaking up if in two weeks or a month or in three months you're always going to get back together? And sometimes the reason why that happens is because people don't move on in their heart and their mind. And we're like that in our life. It's like we hold on to things and we never really break up with them in our heart and our mind so we keep on going back to them. We wonder why we keep on going back to the same thing is because we never really truly broke up. How many people have ever seen, though, a person that really makes up in their mind that they're done and they're finished and they've, made, they've come to the conclusion in their, in, in their mind that they're not going back, they're not reconnecting to that person, they're no way, by no means going to, and they actually follow through. It's not because they're any stronger of a person or any different of a human being. It's because in their heart and their mind, they've made a decision to move forward. And if you don't make a decision in your mind and in your heart to move forward, you'll always keep on going back to what which once was. You can physically t move somebody from place to place, but they, they won't actually move on until they do in their heart and their mind. That's why you can take an addict and you can move him to Florida and try to clean him up. But if, if he hasn't moved on in his heart and his mind, he's going to go right back to the same old thing. We have to leave the past in the past, and we have to break up with certain things, whether they were good or whether they were bad. Number two, think rightly of yourself. God wasn't telling Joshua not to be afraid because he didn't believe, that he didn't believe God. But it must have been because he didn't believe in himself. He had seen God's power and God's miracles. He had seen a cloud, cloud by day and fire by night. He had seen the manna and the quail and the water from the rocks. And he seen the Ten Commandments penned with the finger of God. Joshua didn't doubt God. Joshua was afraid because he didn't see himself up to the task. We often think that our that for, for us to succeed or us to move forward or to us successfully transition that we have to be perfect. And we don't have to be perfect. We just have to keep on pushing forward. You will never be good enough where you don't need God's grace. And you will never be bad enough that you can't receive God's grace. Often the best thing to do is to figure out what God is doing and to jump on board. Don't let fear and low self-esteem stop you from what God has for you. It seems to me that God works better with fear and low self-esteem than he does with pride and arrogance anyway. I think it's important to know when I say think rightly of yourself, it's not about being prideful, it's not about being arrogant, it's not... It's, it's not about thinking that you're better than anybody else. But it's important to know that you're important. You're worth it. God has made you special. God has put giftings and callings in your life that nobody else has. Nobody else can do what you can do. And nobody can be a better you than you. And that's fact. 
And God is no respecter of people. Everything God creates has purpose on earth. So why would he not have purpose for his, his most beloved creation? And that is you. And it's important that we think rightly of ourselves. It's important that we know who we are in Christ. As you transition, one of the things that we were talking about yesterday, me and my uncle on the way home, he's very, very smart. Very smart. Uh, he has a, a master's in finance and accounting. And we were talking about his brothers, uh, the, all my uncles, my mother's brothers, and they're all highly intelligent. Some got college degrees. Others were just business owners, but they're highly intelligent. And they're my uncles. And I said, man, you know, we got some smart people in our family. And you know what he said? He said, he said Paul, you're smart. You're intelligent. You sold yourself short for most of your life. And I could probably tell you to most of you sitting in this room that you've sold yourself short for most of your life. Some of you may have not had a strong male role model in your life or a father or whatever it might be. Maybe you believed the lies from the street more than you believed what was being told to you at home or vice versa. But it's important that you understand as you transition in life and you move forward is that you are not the things that you used to do. You are who God says you are. And you are called for something great. And you are called for something special. And you are, you are distinctively different than the person sitting next to you. You're not no better. You're not no worse. You're just as special. But God has something for you. And one of the things that I've seen in 11 years in this ministry is that, that this world was robbed of some of the most talented, gifted people because they don't, they don't understand or rightly see themselves about who God called them to be and who has, God has made them to be. And we sell ourselves short because we believe the billboards, we believe the magazines, we look in the mirror and you look at other people's highlights and you take your whole life and you, you put it up against other people's highlights, their Facebook life. And that's not reality. Do you ever see some people on Facebook? I see some people and they look like models and I'm like, they don't look like that. How did they do that? You know, you angle the neck the right way and you get the chin line looking right and you get the angles and all and the lips just poked out right. And I'm like... Filters, whatever it is. And we live our life looking at other people through their filters. And we, we look at ourselves in black and white with, 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 with 1954 technology on pictures. It's important that you think rightly of yourself as you move forward and transition into your new life. You are worth it. You know how I know you're worth it? Because Jesus died for you. And if it would have only been you, he would have done the same thing. He died for you. He hung on a gruesome cross, was beat, rejected, embarrassed, and whipped by his choice because you're important. I mean, that's pretty amazing to me, that is. That just blows my mind that that's how special you are. And the last thing, and I'm closing with this. As we talk about transitions and moving into the next season, you get the wilderness too. You know, it's funny as we 
look at this portion of Scripture and you see all these promises that these, they're going to get. All these wonderful things. Oh, this land from the going down of the sun and this land where the Euphrates River is, is and there's going to be life everywhere and it's just wonderful. And somewhere in the middle of that, in verse 4, it says, from the wilderness. I'm going to let you know that not every season in your life is meant to be pleasant, but every season has a purpose. Winter is a season of recovery for preparation. And not everything hard in life is from the devil. Wilderness was part of their promise. We look at the wilderness, and what is the wilderness generally? It's a desert, dry place. Sometimes it's a, it's a place where there is a lot of vegetation or a forest or whatever have you. You know, well, we're going in the wilderness. We're going on a wilderness hike. We're going on a wilderness trip. For most of us, that would be probably something that looked more like a jungle or the woods. Here it was a desert. But the one thing that I noticed about wilderness is that we all have wilderness experiences. And generally when we have a wilderness experience, we think that uh, possibly that we've made bad decisions or that we're in sin. And sometimes that's the case. Sometimes it is our bad decisions that, that bring on bad circumstances and situations in our life. But sometimes the wilderness is part of the promise. Because, see, God already knows what the promise is for your life. He's already established what's yours. But what has to be perfected is, is not the, 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 the promise. The promise is established. What God is, is working on is you to prepare you for the promise. And often it's in the wilderness that we are prepared most for what God has for us. Where did Jesus go when, when he first, right before he started his ministry? The wilderness. And he was God. Sometimes the wilderness is essential. And in Joshua, when, when, when God was promising him, listen, I'm going to bless my people, he said, I'm giving them the wilderness too. That's part of it. Goliath was, was very difficult for David. But in that, a king was recognized. Paul's prison cells were hard, but the New Testament was penned. The cross was, was, was hard, but it brought salvation and healing to all. It eventually put Jesus at the right hand of the Father where he belongs. You see, a comfort zone is a beautiful place, but nothing ever grows there. Hard makes stronger. A lot was put on Joshua. A lot of this seemed difficult. But God knew what was in him. And I'm here to tell you today, God knows what's in you. And if you're going through a difficult time, if you're going through a wilderness, if you're going through a struggle, know that God has no intention of leaving you there. God has no intention of, of letting you die in the wilderness. He, but he does have intention of teaching you something about grace and about his, his ways and his will and his purpose. And he will bring you through this season. And you will see better days. Sometimes I know you wish God didn't see you as being strong. And he left you alone and life was just easy. But remember, 
If his grace got you someplace, his grace will get you through. Sometimes the wilderness is where everything looks the same, and it's hard to find your way out. If you've ever been in a desert, the musicians can come. If you've ever, if you've ever been in the woods lost, everything looks the same. And sometimes the de- that's what the desert or the wilderness situ- uh, a situation or circumstance in your life looks like. It, like. it becomes mundane, and everything looks exactly the same. Have you ever been there where every day looks the same? Life just seems to not have very many highs or very many lows, and you're just skating through. It's like being in a desert where you look out and all you see is sand. It's like being in the woods, and like without a compass, you can't go nowhere because it all looks the same. And it's hard to find your way out sometimes. Sometimes it seems impossible and it seems like, man, I've been walking through this desert and this wilderness season for so long and I don't even know if I'm going in the right direction to come out. When I was penning this yesterday and this morning, I was reminded of the wise men that came to see Jesus when he was born to bring him gifts. You know, they were relying on a a prophecy and a star. That's not a whole lot of direction. That's not a lot. If you were to tell me, Brother Paul, there's something, let's just say for argument's sake, I have a million dollars for you, Brother Paul. I have it in a prophecy here, and all we have to do is follow a star. It would take me a lot of faith and trust to believe, to follow a star, to go walk for the journey that they took. And all they had was a star. And I'm here to tell you today that for some of you, everything looks the same and you feel like you're in a dry place and everywhere you look, it's just trees around you and you feel like you're just wandering and you don't know what direction you're going. That's when it's time to extend your faith and to look at simple things like a star and say, God, I'm going to trust you that you're going to transition me through this. I don't know how to be a person that's not a drug addict. I don't know how to be a person that's a man of God. I don't know how to be a person that's a woman of God. I don't, I, I don't know how to be a law-abiding citizen. I don't know how to be faithful at my job. I, I don't know how to be a father. I don't know how to be a husband. That's okay. You just got to follow the simple star. You just got to put faith on what you see right in front of you right now, one day at a time. And God has this amazing way that when you put trust in him and you believe in him, although there's trees all around, although there's desert all around, and it seems like I'm lost, if you just put some trust in him, you put some faith in him, and you put one foot in front of the other, he'll take you to the promised land. And you'll transition from death to life. You'll transition from lack to enough. You'll transition from being a drug addict to being a man of God that is honorable and makes decisions that honor God every day of your life. But if you're standing in the middle of the woods and you're saying, I don't know how to get there, and you're waiting to know every single step on how to get there, you'll never take the first step. 
Some of you have to leave the past behind. You have to turn away, not, not even the bad things. We know there's some things that are negative and bad. We got to turn away from. But there's also some victories and some things that you're holding on to because maybe it seemed good. Like, oh, I was doing okay for two years in 1984 where I made good money. And, and in my mind, I'm holding on to that. And I'm going to leave the ministry and leave the program and go back to that moment in time. And you're holding on to small victories and you're putting everything in it. And you're not making progress where you're at right now. Or some of you, you're not thinking rightly of yourself. You're thinking about everything you've ever done in your life and every mistake. And, you're, and, and, and you're, you're dictating your future on what you've done in the past. You don't have to be the same person in the future. You don't have to be that person. That's why you're here. God hit the reset button in your life. He gave you this opportunity to say today is a new day. I don't have to be that person. I don't have to look at myself as the drug addict. I don't have to look at myself as the liar and the cheat. I'm a new creation in Christ. Look rightly at yourself. And understand the wilderness comes with this. Hard times and struggles, it comes with it. Not everything bad is from the devil. Sometimes God is using it in your life because he has something greater for you. If he did it to Jesus, if he led him in the wilderness, why would we be exempt? If he left David in a, a sheep pasture, why would we be exempt? If Paul was in a jail cell, why would we be exempt? Why? Let's stand to our feet.